0: We're talking about America, and, and I love that. And this week, we will celebrate as a nation of what that means. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to take that theme and combine it with what we were talking about last week, of the marks of a Christian, and, and talking about who we are and how we have an impact and what we do. It's not a label. I, I, I just forget, forget the labels, okay? Christians, we're not here to put that big Jesus label on our forehead and just say, Hey, I've got the truth. No, Jesus said to show the truth. And we got into that last week of what an authentic Christian looks like. When they stood before Jesus and he starts describing them and saying, Hey, you, you love the least of them. You went to them. You poured your heart into them. You were like me. And he said, when you did it unto them, you did it unto me. Man, how convicting. I don't know about you guys. And I'm not saying, oh, my message last week was so convicting. No, the word of God is convicting. And anytime we get into the word of God, it does convict our hearts. But I want to continue that that kind of that theme, in Acts chapter nine and verse thirteen. You're saying, "What's all the buckets for?" It's amazing how God speaks in unusual ways. And this week, God spoke to me. I already had I had this illustration planned of what I'm going to do on this side, but I did not have this illustration planned. But God kind of spoke to me during the week, and we added them together. And uh, we are celebrating our independence as a nation. But I don't know if you guys have realized we are slowly losing our freedom. Amen. We are. And I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm trying to just tell the truth. We are slowly losing our freedom. And none of that's going to change unless Christians stand up. Uh, I can, you say uh, Memorial Day week in this past, we chose a video to play in the service that had uh president ronald reagan in it that was on purpose today they were going through the videos of ones that i love just kind of getting our focus on what this weekend is about came across ronald reagan i said show that one you might have different opinions but i have a lot of respect for that man and his ministry and what he stood for and the morals that he stood for and uh, that's the only thing that's going to change america is when people speak out for what is right we speak up for what is right and. Uh, what upsets me the most is the fact that we act defeated when we're not. And God, ha- God has a plan. God had a plan. He said, things are going to get worse and things are going to fall apart. You know why? Because there's sin in the world. And the Bible says, "In sin, when it is finished, bring it for death. And I believe that we live in a sin-cursed, sin-filled, sin-dying world. We do. Guys, we're all, we're all getting old and dying, Okay. I hate to be a downer this morning, but if you've got gray hair, I've got gray hair right here. Is that where it starts? All right, so it falls out here, and it turns gray here. Is there any other good news you guys want to share with me about getting old? I mean, my back hurts. I've got a shoulder problem that I'm going to the doctor for. This I'm just falling apart, and I guess that happens when you get as old as I am. You know, it's like 37 years old, and I'm already, you know, just, yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, I've got throw another ten years on me, and I'm gonna be like, it's horrible. That it has nothing to do with my message at all. But I, I do believe that Satan is fighting hard. He is fighting hard, but I, I believe that God has a plan. I believe He's always had a plan, and in this dying world with dying people and sin everywhere, that God had a plan. And, and you say, when when is God gonna, gonna quit working? You wanna you wanna know the truth when God's gonna quit working? When He takes us home. All right? That that's when He's done, when He does this. So don't quit fighting as a as a nation or as Christians in the nation until God says He's done. So I, I've heard Christians say, We're living in the last days, and, and the church has become apathetic and this and that, and it's just all doom and gloom. No, I believe that is a choice. It's a choice. And I believe that get, the power of God will reign until the end as long as we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And I believe that with all my heart. And uh, we, we, are, we are simply blessed as a nation. And I'm thankful for our nation, but I want to fight for it as Christians. I want to take you back to another time that Christians were under attack. And, and where the gospel was not flourishing because of the fact, not yet, because they were under opposition. I want you guys to know that if we were to go back through history, we just have been so spoiled as Americans... It's been it's been so easy to us, so that when we even hit some hard times, we're like, "Oh my goodness, look what's happening." It's been like that a long time. We just have been really spoiled. Just to be honest, we haven't faced opposition. We've lived in a, a one nation under God, and it used to be where the whole nation would yell that out in pride. It's not that way anymore. You say the words "under God" whether on our currency or anything else, and people say, "I don't want to hear that." Well. The very evidence of that is the very evidence that we are living in the last days. When they shun God and they don't want God in. But God always has a plan. And so I want to take you to a time in the Bible where Stephen was a passionate preacher and he was killed. He was martyred for preaching the gospel. this kind of put a damper on things. But the Bible even used his death to literally start. It was like a match thrown in gasoline. it, it, It flourished the gospel like crazy. And they thought they were trying to stop it. And the Lord called in the midst of that, called on a man named Ananias. And he said, I've got instructions for a, for a plan to reach the nation. And Ananias is sitting there going, oh, Lord, we've been so needing this. Lord, uh, you know, hit us hard with this, this great plan that you have. And it wasn't the plan that Ananias thought that God should have did. I mean, he was a little confused by it. He said, I'm going to use a man named Saul to reach the nation. And he turned back and he said, a man named Saul, Saul's the one causing the problems. It's amazing to see how God can transform lives. And a lot of you sitting in the sanctuary today are transformed lives. You used to be a wreck. You used to be the ones causing the havoc in the bars on Friday night. You used to be the ones trying to discourage people from coming to church. But God got a hold of your life and changed you and you're not who you once were. And God has the ability to do that. He's the only one. Chapter 9, verse 13. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he had the authority from the chief priests to to bind all that call on thy name. He said, man, this guy has a horrible reputation. Lord, if you're going to choose somebody, I would choose a better person come on guy I, I I mean i mean there's there 's got to be some guys out there that got it more together than that guy, Lord, we need help we don't we don 't need a project aren 't you glad that God uses projects i 'm looking in the face of projects right now and i 'm not trying to Put you down or anything like that. I'm just glad. And you might be that guy and you're sitting there and you've got a mess and you've got a record and you've got this and that. You're there, man, I'm so glad there's a bunch of other good people in here that God can use because God's done with me. No, God's probably got his eye on you even more than he does most people. So how do you know that? Well, we've got illustration after illustration after illustration of that in God's word. God loves to restore lives and use them for his glory. Verse 15, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way. And he said, hey, it's not up to you, dude. Aren't you glad that it's not up to people? Have you ever had a Christian that said, oh, I don't think he should be teaching that class. Oh, do you know what he's done? Oh, Lord, I don't know. And God said, you shut your mouth. You just go do what I said. You leave the judging up to me. I know the potential. I know his heart. And I know what I'm going to do. Sometimes we get in the way of what God wants to do. And this is what This is what God says, okay? For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that we can read all the way back in the book of Acts and see that you had a plan to reach a nation that was rejecting God. Lord, you always have a plan. And Lord, when I read this, I got excited knowing, Lord, that your plan involves broken people and involves rebellious people. It involves those, Lord, that have run from you and maybe have caused more problems than good. And Lord, all this does is show the power of the gospel, Lord, that you not only save, you restore. Lord, you not only pick up people that are unworthy, Lord, you put them into leadership roles to change the nation. Well, I just pray, Lord, that you help us to understand that you choose vessels to use for your honor and glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. God, God looks down at him, and, and I love the fact that God put it on, my, on our level, okay? If you think I'm juvenile for, for what I'm doing today because I've got all these buckets and stuff up here, I, I just want you to understand that the Bible loves to take some sort of heavenly thing that we're sitting there going, ooh, ah, you know, that's just so complicated. God says, no, put it on our level. This is my level, okay? I understand when God starts talking about vessels. And I looked up the vessel, the word vessel, and all it means is an instrument, a tool. And I did a search through the Bible, and I started reading parts of the Bible that talked about it. A vessel was something as big as a boat that carried people across, or a vessel with something as simple as a pot that God chose. And I look across the church and I know that there's a lot of different types of vessels. I don't know, I look down here and I think, never mind, I'm not going to go there. So, but <laughs> there's, there's lots of different kinds of vessels. There's a variety of us. And, and, and I love the fact that God stands over us and he says, you know what? Uh, it's probably not the one you would pick, uh, um, that one. We step back and we're like, Lord, that's not the one. This one's shiny. This one's this. This one." the guy says, no, not for this job. Not for what I have planned. I need to pick that guy that nobody else would pick. I need to pick that, that vessel that's kind of even dirty and rough around the edges, that one that really nobody else would look at and say, wow, look at that Christian. I think we're looking for those kind of Christians. Almost in church, kind of going back to what we were talking about last week, we we gravitate to the guy that looks like he's got it all together. You realize even guys that look like they have it all together don't always have it all together. And some of the guys that have the greatest hearts to to serve God are the ones that come in that maybe they look the roughest because they've been through the most. And they can understand and share the power of the gospel because they've experienced the power, the transformation of the gospel. I believe that's, that's why God allowed Paul to write so much of the New Testament because that was a guy that not only knew it, but he lived it. He could explain the blood of Jesus Christ because he had been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and he knew how dirty he was before the Lord did that. The Lord said he's, he's special, he's chosen, I've got a plan for him. And the one thing that I started thinking about these vessels is they have no power in and of themselves. Honestly. I started thinking about the carnival, and that's where this side of it came into this. <laughs> we have this back room. Some of you have been in there in the back part of the kitchen. It's, it's, a, just, it, it's a big room filled with pots and pans of already. That's where I, bought, I got all of this from back there. They each have a different purpose and a different place and different things that they did. And I started thinking about the carnival. Ran in there. I'd grab one of them and bring it out. And every time I'd go in there, I'd be like, no, 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 that's the one. And then I'd grab it. There are certain vessels that are used for certain jobs, and they were designed. And you might not feel like you fit in, but God has a certain place, a certain job that you've been designed to do. Realize during our carnival, we had 10 gallons of nacho cheese that was warmed up in one of these. We, we had 50 gallons of oil that was used for our carnival. Yes, that's how healthy the carnival was. You, you fry something in oil and all, oh, you know, it's like, you go to the carnival, they, they, or to the, the fair, it's like, they wrap a candy bar and I just like, and then deep fry it. It's like, I don't know. Fry it, they will come. Fry it, they will come. We had, we had 25, 30 gallons of tea and 25 to 30 gallons of lemonade. We had, I, I can't remember, I had like, 600 pounds of ice or something like that And I just do all these different things And I, I just remember Going in there and looking At these vessels but the thing is It wasn't the vessel that was That made our event so Important Or special or successful It was What was placed in those vessels They, they just had to be used and the master of whoever it was had there and says, I know what I can do with this. And went over there and fed six, eight hundred people with what they did. He looked out of himself and says, there's nothing special or nothing powerful. And, and, I, and I, I'm reminded of the fact that that's what God looks at us and says. And of yourself, there's not. And God calls us vessels on purpose with all these different things because he knows and he says to Ananias, he says to him literally in this passage, he says, hey man don't judge him. It's what I can do with him that will make the difference. He said I, I'm just going to use Saul and I'm going to change him and I'm going to clean him up and I'm going to make him a vessel to carry out something so special. He says for he is a sp- chosen vessel unto me to bear my name. I don't I don't know about you guys, but that's just, just stop and think about that. In a world that is so dry and hungry and empty and broken and starving for hope, and you say, how are we going to get God to the world? How is it? And we say, Jesus will reach the world, and Jesus can change the world. And God says, well, how do you think I'm going to do that? We're going to give the world Jesus. And God says, well, how do you think I'm going to do that? God says, I know I'm going to do it. I'm going to choose a bucket, and I'm going to carry me to the world. I just described all of you. I just described the church of who we are as vessels that are used to be filled with the glory of God to carry God, to bear his name. The name of Jesus means that there is life after death There is forgiveness of sins. You just take the name of Jesus of what that represents. That there is blood that will cover no matter what you've done or how bad you've been. The blood of Jesus Christ. I I, I know this is a long introduction. But I started thinking about different verses just so you know. And I'll clarify something. And I, I don't want to be controversial. But I need to tell you. A lot of people come in and say, I'm walking into the house of the Lord. This is not the house of the Lord. This is the Lord's house. It belongs to God. It's set aside for the purpose of Him. But in order for you to say that this is the Lord's house, is to belittle what He did in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they had to go To the Holy of Holies to be in the presence of God. But that's not the New Testament. It's not. A lot of people when we still have the mindset that this is where the Lord dwells. And this is the Lord's house. Then all of a sudden we walk into this building and we're like don't say that. Don't do this. I can't believe you lied in church. And God sits back and says whoa, whoa, whoa. Where where are you getting that from? Where in the world did I say build a tent and shove me in it? Where did I say that I will ever, ever dwell in mortar and brick? I'll tell you what he said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He said, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. 2 Corinthians six sixteen says, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Ye are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. Which means that you don't walk out of the temple of God. You are the temple of God. But that's the reason why we have this problem today. Where so many people will walk out of the church and live however they want. And then they walk into the church and they're all serious for God. When you walk into that bar to get drunk you're dragging God with you. When you treat your body however you want to treat your body. You're doing that to God's body. The world doesn't need a building to show up to. It needs the body of Christ to go into the world. You're seeing now why we've messed up America. Why we've messed up America. Because we've set up a bunch of facilities and invited people to it. When God said, no, I told you to go into the world. I told you that I will be with you and I will dwell in you and you shall, I shall be your God and you shall be my people. God said I will fill them with the Holy Spirit of God and I want you to bring the hope of the world into the world. That's what I told you to do. Don't get me wrong. We have built this with God's money. We have, we have separated this. We're not going to come in here and throw nachos on the floor and just say it's just brick and that. No. We have respect unto what's this because we've set this aside for the purpose of worship the same way that a spoon is not holy, but I don't want you spitting on it. We set certain things aside and we have respect on it because we use it for a specific purpose. Yes! But never mess up. The fact that you read the New Testament and God says, I dwell in them, not in a building. Let me show you the point of where we're going. The Bible says that this vessel that we have that God wants to do so much work with, has some problems. If I was going to talk about these, it'd be really easy because the vessel that he was talking about with Paul was not just a bucket or metal and plastic and glass. The vessel that I'm talking about today is made of flesh. And I hate to tell you guys that there's some problems with our flesh. The, the Bible says, and I was going through and the flesh wants to make it all about me. And the Bible says, even though we have the Spirit of God that dwells inside of us, the Bible says in Galatians 5.17, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you would. You cannot do the things that I want you to do. Because you're made of flesh, and I'm here to tell you, as flesh, not of glass, but me, set this aside, let me, let me go back to this vessel, that God dwells inside of me, and my job is to show forth the praises of the Spirit of God living inside of me, and I wish it was that easy, but the problem is that in my flesh, I gravitate to the wrong things. And my words don't always come out like they should. And my attitude is not always what it should so let me, let me do it like this. This, this might be more appropriate. I'm mean going to describe us, okay? Here's the vessel that God wants to use to show forth His praises, and, and I'm going to write lies. Does that sound familiar? I go in the world, and I, I want to make a difference for Jesus Christ, and, and honestly, my, my life is lust. Some people have that problem where they curse so desperately. They need to see what we have. All of a sudden, I can't forgive that guy, and I've got this hate in my life. I sit there and think, Lord, how can you use this? I, I know what you're saying, that you want the world to see you and me. But when we go to the work, and all they hear out of your mouth is you talking about the girls in the other office, and you sit there and talk, and you curse... You sit there and all that trash comes out of your mouth. Let me ask you, how in the world are they going to see the hope of the world when your flesh is fighting against the Spirit of God? And all of a sudden, we know that we're filled with the Spirit of God and and, and inside of us is the dwelling of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ that has forgiven us. But then the world looks at us and says, man, I know what you're saying, dude. But you curse just like the rest of us say man I know that you're different then why, did, why are you so negative about your wife all the time when you come here dude we're the same way you're no different than we are see the fruit of the spirit is love joy and peace and long suffering but the problem is when the world looks at us and they see all the crud that we've corrupted it and you say I don't want to be like that I don't want to be like that either because I'm telling you this kind of Christian right here is not having an effect in this world You can't take a student and put them in a public school and say, I've got the Spirit of God living inside of me and all they do is hear the garbage coming out of your mouth and you wonder why we're not making a difference. I said, boy, I wish I could be different like that. Can I show you this morning? And I know this was a long introduction building up to it, but my mind kept going as, okay, Paul, there, that, uh, you know, of getting to this. I want to show you, according to God's Word, how to be an effective vessel for God in spite of our failures. So we're going we're to look at this. And the Bible says that the contrary, the battle, there's this thing. And, and the first thing that I want to show you is the first thing that we have to do is we have to identify the problem. Without a doubt, I can say that the, the world is filled and has the devil living inside of it. But I think we blame the devil for everything. You sit there and you cuss and you go, man, the devil really got me today. You, know, you lose your cool, you lose your temper at work and you get upset and maybe you're a boss or whatever. You invited them to revival and pageant and Easter. Then you blow your cool. You cuss at them. You get mad. Then all of a sudden, I'm good, man. <laughs> if that, you know, They're looking for hypocrites and hypocrites are everywhere out there he sit there and say, man, the, you get home to your wives. Man, the devil really got me today. You need to stop blaming the devil for everything. Okay? He, he's a bad guy. And he's out to do anything. But he's not everywhere at one time. He's not all powerful. We give him way too much credit. Take your finger and do this. Everybody, come on, come on, come on. All right. We're going to point out the problem. Now do this. That is the problem with our witnessing. And it's so hard to do that. I've got a bad mouth because I have a bad mouth. I'm not saying me, okay, they're like, oh, we got a cursing preacher. Like. now, Pastor Dave, that's another story. I'm not going to. Here's the thing. We have a problem with our flesh. And the Bible says that yes, you have the Spirit of God. But that flesh on the outside has all these problems that we deal with. And the Bible says we would do a lot of good if we would identify the problems with being ourselves. Because the last thing we want to do is say, I have a problem with blah, whatever it is. You can't stop staring at women the wrong way. You have a problem with lust. Call it what it is. You have a problem. If you have a problem with your mouth and you have a problem with your mouth, call it what it is. Some of us have problems with hate, and jealousy. You can't forgive. You can't let go. And yet the thing is we say and we're we're different on the inside but we don't show it on the outside. And don't sit there and do what everybody does. Well, nobody's perfect, Pastor Tony. <laughs> that very attitude right there is what's killing our witness in America. We justify it. We cover it up. You know, the Bible says, the greater is he that is in me, okay? Don't belittle the power of God that's living inside of us. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you guys the truth. Romans seven eighteen. Romans seven eighteen. Turn there with me, all right? Turn where, I know I'm going to a bunch of verses and, and, and doing this, but I want, I want you guys to get this, okay? Just so you understand. The Bible says, according to Romans seven eighteen, our flesh is wicked. Man, that's a hard pill to swallow. Tony Liuzzo is wicked. And so are you. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Y- you want to prove a point? How many of you have set out to lose 20 pounds, but you can't go two days? You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I- 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 my flesh will gravitate. It's just a candy bar. Why can't I say no to a candy bar? It has no power over me. I I, I mean, name whatever your weakness is. And you sit there and say, why can't I just tell it? No, it's not the candy bar that has the power. It's your flesh that has the power. We're weak in the flesh. Think about Peter sitting there. Lord, don't wash my feet. Lord, I'll serve you to the end. And then they go off to the garden. And he said, Lord, I'll be with you to the end. then he falls over and sleeps. Wakes up and Jesus says, could you not stay with me and pray with me? Then he goes off and denies Jesus three times. You know what Jesus told him in the midst of that? The popular passage of scripture that we have where he said, your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. I'm here to tell you that your flesh is wicked and your flesh is weak. So I've conquered it. Let me tell you this. Until God brings you home in your glorified body, you will always battle your flesh. And until you recognize that, you don't arrive. It doesn't matter if you've been in this church for 50 years. You don't arrive to the point where you overcome it. Sin is like weeds in your garden. You don't have to plant them. You don't have to water them. Your your plants could be dying I mean, your, 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 your fruit or whatever, your okra or whatever you plant in there could be dying and the weeds could be this big. We, we could have no rain for a month and the weeds will skyrocket in your garden and all of a sudden your, your plants that you're trying to grow die out. It reminds me of that is the way that sin is in our lives. It will grow. It will be there. You don't have to plant it. You don't have to ask for it. It just shows up because that's the nature of sin. We're not identifying the problem of sin in our lives. We cover our witness of God's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. All those things that are the fruit of the Spirit gets masked by the sin that's in our lives. Because our flesh is wicked and our flesh is weak. Sounds like you're just trying to be negative. No, I'm not. I promise. I promise. All right, we've identified the problem. The problem is our flesh. But number two, moving to the positive, say, so What do I do? Because I don't want this. Pastor Tony, I, I don't want my, my coworkers or my wife or my kids or my family that is lost. I don't want them looking at me like that. I want to be different. I'm going to give you the key. Here's the second thing. Here it is. We've got to dethrone the flesh. Dethrone the flesh. This is straight out of the bible okay the bible says that our flesh wants to control us my hate my greed my lust all these things and it's powerful it's amazing how our body wants instant gratification you get hungry you're going to pull into a fast food place and you're going to eat the one thing that you said you would not eat you're going to get it you're going to get cheese on top of it i promise you you go from being so strong to, I it's just like, you know, you're eating the biggie-sized fry the whole nine yards. You say, how is that possible? Because your flesh has a grip on you, and it's controlling you. Let me show you the verse. When that happens, it's hard to bear the name of Christ. I want to look at this. I want to park here for a minute. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. I'm going to show you what what the Bible is saying here about our flesh. And you say, well, Pastor Tony, I've done this. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. I just, I feel like I can't do it. Man, if I was, if I was a preacher, if I was like you, if I went to Bible college, if I went, nowhere in the Bible does it say you need all that. If you are saved, you have all the power you need do you understand that there is no weapon formed against us shall prosper because you have the dwelling of god in your life you you tell me right now you name it you yell it out to me right now what god can't handle Name anything that God can't handle. You say, nothing. Well, th- let me take you back and say, hey, God said, I will dwell of them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God said, I will be in them. That's why we're able to say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. It's a lie. So I have to figure out how to dethrone my flesh. Romans six eleven. likewise reckon ye also yourselves to so be dead indeed on his sin you know what that means christ has already conquered all the black writing on your body he's already done it he is literally saying i have already killed i've already conquered i'm already stronger i'm bigger i'm more powerful than all of that i have already done it now finish dead indeed unto sins, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Now underline the next two words. Let not. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in the lust thereof. Mark it down. Having this over your testimony is an option. We choose in our flesh to allow our witness to be covered with our attitudes, our lust, our greed. You name the sin, our bad habit, whatever it is. We choose to let that happen. He said, you've already had the power. I've given it to you. He said, let not. which literally means we choose to let it have control. That word reign means to be king. When I say to dethrone our flesh... Literally talking about that, God has given us the power to overcome those things. So, how do you do that? Now, this is an illustration that me and Pastor Joe like to use, and it's it's, it's just a physical thing. It's the same way that you overcome and bring down a sumo wrestler. So, how do you do that? Our flesh is like that. I don't care. I'm going to decide and say I'm not going to let you have control of my life. You get in there and your flesh just goes boom, 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 and throws you to the side, and it's like I'm defeated. He said, why is that? It's because you feed your flesh. Do you know why you lust? Because you get back on the TV, and you start scrolling through the channels, and you park, and uh, the devil feeds your brain. Do you know what happens when you have just one chip? Tell me what happens. You say, I'm just going to have one. What happens when your kids have a Happy Meal? and you sneak your hand into the Happy Meal because you only want one fry because you got a salad. Your kids will go, Mom, Dad, I have no fries. Well, honey, I don't know how that happened is the salt is, you know, on your cheek. We feed our flesh just a little bit, and all of a sudden we develop cravings and the more we feed our flesh the more our flesh is like yeah go ahead we do whether it's lust greed whether it's our appetites whether it's our anger whatever we if we feed our flesh you will make your flesh strong enough where it's going to throw you down all the time so god said you know what let not sin reign therefore in your mortal bodies you know what god says that we have to do Paul said this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Paul said, I die daily. Paul said over and over again about having to kill the flesh literally means, I have to tell me no. Through the power of God. And the more, don't be defeated, you say I've done that. The more you shrink and make that sumo wrestler weak, Eventually you can go over there and push him over. Now understand, we battle, we war with the flesh. You let him down, he will get back up again. Just so you know. He's not going to give up. Your flesh will not give up. It's in the spirit of my flesh to get up and want to conquer. My flesh wants to be in control. It wants to. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body that ye should obey. It and the lust thereof. You know what that means? That the more I let it have control because of the things <clears throat> that I watch, the things that I do, the, th- the people that I hang out with, the influences that I have, and so many Christians will say, I don't know why I keep falling into this sin. I'm trying to stop drinking. I'm trying to stop doing this. I'm trying to do that. Get out of the bar. Stop hanging out with those friends. Cut off the cable if you have to do it. Put a block on your internet. Have your kids call you out when you're cussing. Oh, well, then you have a problem with that. Well, that's another problem. It's called pride. You've got to knock yourself off the throne. And when you can't admit that you're wrong, or you can't look at yourself in the mirror and say, I shouldn't have done that, or you get mad at your wife when she comes up and says, Honey, you did it again. We were out there with the kids. You mind your own business. I'm going to do whatever. You may as well just take your flesh and put it up on the throne and have everyone bow down to you because that's what you're doing you have made your flesh king and when you can't sit there and control it even Jesus Christ you know what he did he humbled himself before his father we're so filled with pride that we can't even admit when we're wrong and then we look like that to our children and then we start telling them about how powerful the presence of God is hypocrite 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 And it's not because the power of God is not real. It's because we've allowed our flesh to have control. And the verse says it right there. Do not let it have control. Let's close with this and I'll be very brief. Have to recognize the problem. We have to dethrone the flesh. And the last thing, we have to live in the spirit. I'm going to give you a verse. It's going to be... Incredible, because I'm going to read it, and you, it's going to blow away all the justification that you have. The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So here's the thing. Walking does not imply Sunday morning from 10 to twelve or 1206, or whatever time it is right now. (laughs) You sit in here and go, we sing the songs always. My God is there. He will always come through, always, always. And we sit there and say, man, that's true. And God says, you know what? That feeds your spirit. We talk about crucifying the flesh, starving the flesh, to where that sumo wrestler doesn't get up. At the same time of starving the flesh, you better be feeding your spirit. Through the music that you listen to and say, well, it doesn't matter what I listen to. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It does. The Bible says, think on these things. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are a good report. And then you put that trash in your radio where they're cursing and they're bebopping their heads all over and they're smashing parents and dishonoring the authority that God's put in police officers and everything else. They sit there and sing about cheating on their wives, and they sit there and sing about hound dogs or whatever they're singing about that they've put up on a throne of being special. Think about how much the music of this world knocks down everything that we preach about on Sunday. And then we sit there and say, It's just music. Well, that's what the devil wants you to think because he wants to feed your flesh. You can't have our teenagers sit there and listen to the garbage music of this world and fill their heads full of rebellion of how they're going to cap a cop and all the other things that they talk about slander and think they're going to walk in there and say, Hello, Mother. Hello, Father. I love you and respect you. And I know that's an exaggeration. But the Bible says that we do it by the renewing of our minds. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So I asked you, what are you feeding your spirit with? And I'm not talking about walking around 24-7 chanting prayers. It can be a little weird. But I am saying that you need to change some of the things that you've done in your life. Because when we're looking at things that are on TV that we shouldn't be looking at, we're listening to music that's not honoring to God, and we're doing these things all the time, and the only time that you get a little shot in the arm is Sunday morning, then no wonder your flesh is in control. And then you sit there and tell your wife and your spouse, I don't know, honey, I'm trying, I'm trying, Boo hoo Get over it. Man up and do what's right. We're tired of this pity party that men and husbands have, and I'm starting with you guys because it starts with us. Here's what happens. All of a sudden, God's Word does an amazing thing. God sits there and all of a sudden we have conviction in our heart. When the Spirit of God and we're dwelling and it's music in your car, it's messages, it's reading your Bible, it's memorizing verses, it's doing all these things that we try every Sunday. We come in here not to entertain you guys. The whole thing is this works. It works. It works. But you have to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. If your whole goal is to come in here and entertain me, you know, show me some buckets, you know, just whatever your goal is, that's not what it's all about, But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to work in our hearts. And you know what God does? God says, you know what? You shouldn't have did that. You know know that thing that you got mad at your kids and you never apologized? That was pride. Words that came out of your mouth was cursing. You go back in there and say, kids, I'm sorry. Daddy shouldn't have done that. Got convicted. and I'm going to try to straighten up. Dad wants to be that. And the Spirit of God puts his arm around you and says, go, boy. That's right. That's right. Tell him you're sorry. And all of a sudden, you humble yourself. You knock your flesh off the throne. God sits there and says, all right, not that, it will come back. It's like a weed. Keep feeding your spirit. Think on the things of God. Put your focus on the things that cheer you up and edify the body of Christ. Christ. We provoke one another to love and good works. We do all the things that the Bible says. You come up. Now, don't just show up on church on Sunday when you've been out for three or four weeks and you wonder why I'm so down and out. It's not a hospital where you just drop in when you're sick and you're falling out, it's a diet. Consistently feeding your body the Word of God that it needs. Change your life. You'll never be perfect. Only Jesus Christ is perfect, but I'm telling you, we can't have victory over these areas of our lives. If we had more Christians that learned to humble themselves and repent and ask God, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness.